Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to jump right to it. We have had such a fantastic amount of positive feedback from all of you thanking us for sharing the information about what we're now calling the real estate reset, which is clearly happening now. Um, I mean, I'm not going to elaborate on this, but I was nervous. Julie and I were nervous about presenting this information because we did this back in 07, 06, 07, and we caught a lot of arrows for it because, you know, we were a little bit too early telling people the facts that they didn't want to hear. So, you know, we had a lot of people that were mad at us back then or, you know, just scared really from what we were saying because they knew we had a huge audience and they were fearful that we were going to cause some kind of, you know, irrational reaction to uh, bad information or whatever, whatever. I mean, they were just off. A lot of people were off the handle about us telling our version of what we were seeing from our coaching clients. And um, I have to say, we were a little nervous that was going to happen again, but it's not. Matter of fact, quite the opposite is what's happening. We've been getting so much great feedback from all of you, thanking us for telling you the truth about what's happening in the marketplace. Brokers and office managers, the best ones anyway, using this information to present to their agents. We're getting a lot of people asking us to present this information to their agents because they don't want to do it. That's fine, too. I understand completely. You don't want to have that relationship with them. That's fine. Just ask us to do it. No problem. Um, Tim at timandjulieharris.com if you want us to do that for you. But really what it tells me is that, um, thankfully, so many of you are not going to allow yourselves to suffer any kind of real estate correction like many of you did or at least you knew people that had, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And I'm thankful for that because it really was needless, the types of – the pain that happened in our industry before. And um, we're going to do everything in our power to make it so that – Whatever the reset means to you and your individual marketplace, because there's not going to just be there's no one market, whether it's mild or whether it's wild, doesn't matter. You're going to be prepared. You're going to know what's happening, and that's really where you get the greatest sense of security. We look at you all as business owners, entrepreneurs, because that's truly what you are. We had somebody, I had somebody rather, email me asking me if somebody was listening to us in college, and you know, no idea how they found the show, but anyway, so they were asking me about um, different business ideas. You know, that, that's fine. And uh, I straight up told him, listen, I can't think of a better business to get into nowadays other than residential real estate. Um, you know, during the greatest times of change or when the greatest fortunes are made. And that's a historical fact going back forever. And right now we're in a great – we're going to be in a great time of change technologically. I think is going to be one of the big things that's going to have a lot of uh, consternation in our industry, a lot of agents not knowing what to do, brokers not knowing what to do. You're going to see different um, – you know, different things happen as the real estate market starts to adjust accordingly or as we're calling them reset. You're going to see a lot of people that are going to look – you know, who are running mildly profitable businesses start losing money. And all of that – Uh, unraveling, I would say, of what the markets have been for the past 12 years, that's going to create opportunity for an entrepreneurially focused agent. And I'll tell you the low-hanging fruit with what I just said, a very practical and tactical way of thinking about this. If you're not hunting expireds, fourth quarter this year going into next year is going to be a goldmine for expired listings. And all those 
uh, unrepresented owners, a.k.a. FISBOs, they're going to basically give up because they're not going to be able to sell their houses in a market like this. So my strong suggestion to all of you is that you break the cycle of buying leads. You break the cycle of dependency essentially on basically having to pay companies like Zillow for your leads, and you start realizing the best opportunities are going to be going out there and getting the business yourself. I want you guys all to remember this too. Inman and a lot of others like to talk endlessly and needlessly about uh, about these big disruptors. And if you look at the big disruptors in the real estate space, at the end of the day, they're just they're just commission discounters. <laughs> you know that's it. You know the purple bricks and the red fins and all these other they're just commi- they're just commission discounters. And you know there's a place for them. They're going to win versus traditional real estate if they do, if they essentially deliver something to buyers and sellers, consumers of real estate, that traditional real estate doesn't. And furthermore, they deserve to win if they do a better job of serving the customer. Ultimately, the customer, the buyers and sellers, they rule the industry. We don't. We don't at all. At the end of the day, again, if you want to really drill down, it's sellers. So focus your best energies on becoming a powerful listing agent because no matter what happens with commission discounting, this, you know, we had a conversation the other day with someone who owns uh, two very big um, Keller Williams offices, market centers as they like to call them, in California. That's all I'm going to say. And he wants to sell both of them. And um, we were talking about how to strategically put those for sale. And my suggestion to him is he worries less about strategic and focuses more on the sale. And he agreed because he said in his – uh, area, they're seeing all the discounters starting to you know, take listings. They're seeing the um, you know, basically brokerages who are making, like I said, marginal profit or losing money now. And all those types of things happen in a market shift, which does create opportunity for the entrepreneurially – getting back to my email – uh, does create opportunity for the entrepreneurially minded agent and broker who wants to basically take the market uh, by storm. So, for example, expires at the end of this year. Let's just keep it real practical and tactical, and then we're going to get to the, the massive real estate reset happening now. We're talking about phases of the housing crash. Uh, today we're talking about part two. All right, so let's say you had your house listed with it doesn't matter what company. It could have been a discounter you know, or as, you know, these new tech companies, they're just dis- commission discounters. They've been around forever. They're like help you sell, assist to sell back in the 90s. You know, everyone talked about them as being disruptors. All they're really doing is discounting the commission. They're providing the exact same service otherwise, so give me a freaking break. They're just commission cutters. That's it. And like I said, that's fine. If they do a better job for a less price, they deserve to win. But for the most part, they don't. Uh, statistically, they're going to have more expired. Statistically, they're going to attract lesser skilled agents. Statistically, they're going to be not willing to have conversations with sellers about uh, proper pricing, let alone getting the pricing down. So you're going to see towards the end of the year, all these big you know, revolutionary companies have a lot of expireds, along with, frankly, traditional real estate agents as well. Now, you solicit an expired. That's right. I said solicit. So you call the expired. You help the expired to understand why the house didn't sell. You list that expired. There's no referral fee. You didn't go out and have to pay for it. You didn't have to basically you know, work on some sort of fancy website or be beholden to some algorithm where someone decides whether or not you're worthy of a lead. Screw all that. Be an entrepreneur. Be independent. Don't be dependent on someone else's platform to determine whether or not you're going to make money or not. That's the power of being a proactive lead generator and not being dependent. So if you are getting into this business for the first time or if 
if you're wanting to basically make your business have massive momentum going into the new year, my strong suggestion to you is you do everything in your power to learn how to be a proactive lead generator, a.k.a. a prospector. And that means literally, guys, what I'm telling you, sorry for the third literally in a row. I'm going to slap myself for that later. But what it means is, is that you have to learn have the skills not just to get the listing but get the house sold. And it's not that complicated. It's usually just about price, condition, location, you know, having that conversation. There's a set of scripts. There's a set of techniques that you have to have in this type of market that once you get it down, and let's be honest, you don't even have to be 100% perfect at it. You could just be 60% good at it, and you're still going to win. That's how you dominate. This is not a complicated business. That's the reason, frankly, I think this is the greatest business, real estate. I shouldn't maybe say that. Some of you are saying, I've got enough competition, Tim. Shut up. But the reality of it is this is the greatest industry to get into because with, for virtually no money, you can get into a business where you can have millions and millions of dollars of inventory, a.k.a. somebody else's houses for sale. You don't have to pay anything, not really, to keep that inventory uh, you know, you, there's no carrying costs to that inventory, and you make a pretty damn good margin when that inventory sells. Can you think of another business like that? I mean, maybe like any other business basically that it's even remotely modeled like that. Maybe it's a, a you know a consignment jet reseller or something like that. The the sales cycle is so much longer. That's the thing about real estate that makes it so much such a beautiful business to get into, and you don't really have to know. There's not, there's not like a billion things you have to know. If you just keep your mind focused on listings and becoming a powerful listing agent. Now, if some of you guys have been off on these primrose paths of building teams and logos and branding and social networking and worrying too much about your mindset and all these things. All the while, your cash flow has been reduced. All the while, you haven't been able to accumulate any money during this last cycle, which has been a real estate boom. All the while, your net worth hasn't increased. You have to own that and take responsibility for it and realize that you probably have basically been going down some paths that didn't lead to profit. Profit has to be your primary product in your real estate practice or any other business. For those of you who are listening and you're looking for the greatest business opportunity that America has to offer, for everyone, I would say definitely getting a real estate license. But when you get your real estate license, just focus all your best energies on becoming a powerful listing agent, and then you will be insulated from all the Mickey Mouse that basically wreaks havoc on so many agents' personals, uh, personal economies. So, Julie, let's get right back to housing basis of the housing crash part two yes so if you missed part one you can go to realestatecoachingradio.com get caught up oh, we're on part three we're jump aren't we? in. yeah we're, yeah Are we on part, part, we're on part three right well we're kind of we're kind of in between two and three i'm going to quickly review a little bit just to ramp them up not too long so phase okay, one good. is pretty self-explanatory they've been living it it's mania it's multiple offers sold really fast a hard to sell listing is considered something that takes weeks oh my gosh the world's coming to an end it didn't sell by midnight we have uh and again listen to the previous podcast on that phase two is what we started talking about last week reality check time is the party over and this is when increasingly jittery owners will now uh, attempt to sell out before the party ends. We actually see an uptick in inventory. The 30 of the top 100 cities in the country are reporting this already. Okay, So lots of evidence on this. Supply is starting to inch upward. We're seeing aspirational pricing coming to an end. I'll give you an example just from uh, around here this morning. I was driving from our office to FedEx and then to UPS. And, of course, I, I always just subconsciously make note of the for sale by owners out there. There were three in about a half-mile radius, 
all three of them got listed over the weekend, one by an EXP agent, one by Keller Williams, and one by Remax. All three for sale by owners failed. They were all, I'd say they were all around 30 to 45 days, weren't able to FISBO on their own. This is another indication of phase two, peak, reality check, can't just throw a dart at the wall and get the price anymore. Uh, so we talked a little bit about sellers becoming much more selective with whom they list with. They value agent skills again. This is pretty awesome for all of you guys that have stayed frosty and have been increasing your skills. The key differentiator here is not your internet marketing, your likes, your follows. It's the fact that you got the neighbor's house sold. So uh, that's phase two. So let's get into phase three. Okay, Many of you guys are somewhere between one and two. You're going to pay attention to what's happening. Again, in phase two, when the party starts to end, we see more BPO orders, we see more expireds, we see for sale by owners not able to do it on their own anymore. In phase two, a hard to sell listing takes months. In phase three, this is when a real potential bust, a reset happens, real inventory builds up, sellers start having to actually lower prices. I am seeing this on many of our premier coaching calls. One of the most common questions is price reduction scripts. So we're already seeing this. It begins a vicious cycle. Buyers start to go on strike because they don't want to catch that falling knife of prices. It causes sellers to drop their prices further. The return of real appraisal issues, not just little tiny you know, $2,500, $5,000 appraisal issues, but significant appraisal issues that are much harder to fix. Again, this is phase three. Banks tighten their lending standards again to stave off future foreclosure issues. Home equity lines of credit, known as HELOCs, get capped or taken away. Phase three. Julie, I had that. Hold on. Don't bounce off that one. So I had that point. I had Julie add that point because um, it's important you understand that when we're in a, and again, this is not going to be universally true. I keep on throwing out this disclaimer because I don't think there's going to be, and Julie and I can't find any real reasons to believe there's going to be a crash, anything like there was a, you know, a decade plus ago. But there's definitely a reset that's going on unquestionably. It's going to be affecting your markets individually. But even in your sub-markets, it'll, you know, there'll be, again, listen to the previous podcast. I won't waste too much time. Yeah, it's an adjustment. But the adjustment is basically aspirational pricing, overpricing. All that stuff's come to an end. Multiple offers, for the most part, is going to start, if not already, come to an end. You're going to see in the in the mega million dollar houses, uh, all of our high end clients are having to deal with not just little price adjustments, but multi million dollar adjustments. Three, four, five, six million. I had one guy had to get a seller down by seven million dollars. Um, so, wow. but yeah, guys, there it is. There's your reality. That's the market. That's phase three. But you have to understand from a tactical, pra- practical perspective. That a lot of you who said to yourselves, "Well, I'm going to pay," you know, "I'm waiting for the market to crash so I can go out and buy real estate." Okay, I hear you. And then you said, "Did I ask if I were to ask you that question? Well, okay, how are you going to pay for it? You're going to say, well, 'Well, I'll borrow. I'll, you know, get the money from the bank.' Well, that's basically where there's a fallacy in your plan, because what happens is, and this is what happened last time, is uh, the banks will start capping your HELOCs. Those of you who have uh, home equity lines of credit, which is a record amount, I think the numbers, it was in the trillions, a record amount of uh, home equity lines of credit, and people haven't been using them. And people have basically been taking out these HELOCs but not using them, which is different from the last time, which is really 
you know, I think it's encouraging, frankly, to show that there won't be a big crash. But what you'll see is the banks will literally, let's say you have 300000 or 100000 or 30000 on your HELOC, they'll literally reduce that to zero. They can do that. They can just take it away. If you owe 10000 on you have a $100,000 credit line, they're going to reduce it to 10000 You're going to be capped because you're in the real estate business. And I, last time they did it just for about everyone, too, in these hardest-hit real estate markets because what people started doing is they started running up their HELOCs and then basically abandoning their houses. Um, they're going to be incredibly aggressive, assume they are, to prevent that from happening again. They know what consumer behavior is now, and they're going to head everyone off the pass. So Julie and I, it's reasonable to think that they're going to be doing – they're not going to wait around for you know the LA Times to talk about a real estate crash. They're going to do it way ahead of the time, and they'll do it in stealth mode, maybe just by little increments. And you'll just get a little letter in the mail that maybe you don't even pay attention to. Point is, is if you're planning on buying in your market or any markets when the real estate uh, prices start to reset you and you're planning on borrowing the money you better get that money locked in now you better start saving now you better start thinking about how you're going to make it so that if that does happen and mortgage standards if you're in the real estate business again same deal and you're planning on um, you know buying uh, luxury or I'm sorry you're planning on buying rental properties which all of you should be seriously considering, or even move up house for yourself, you're going to have a harder time getting a mortgage, a harder time by a significant margin than even you know, how hard it is now because of the fact of what you do for a living. Um, there it is. Those are just the facts. That's what the type of thing that you should look forward to in a not very looking forward to type way. <laughs> Save your cash. Um, Talk with your local bank, this is my suggestion, talk to your local bank about uh, setting up some sort of uh, business line of credit or personal line of credit and um, have an agreement that they're not going to be able to essentially unilaterally reduce your available line of credit in the event that there's some kind of, you know, what I'm describing happening in your market. That way, if you need to borrow the money, you can go out there and uh, get the uh, essentially buy stuff for cash using that line of credit. But my suggestion is to all of you, start saving like crazy people um, and start getting ready for opportunities to purchase real estate. Uh, again, we've done podcasts on investing in real estate. Many of you are in markets where it's frankly too expensive, and even after a reset happens, it'll probably still be too expensive to rationalize buying real estate in those markets. California, I'm thinking of you, well, hell, really virtually all the hot markets, it just doesn't make sense to buy real estate there as rentals. So you're going to have to look in ancillary markets. Um, again, we've done podcasts on this. Just go to iTunes. Um, or just go to timandjulieharris.com and click on podcasts and listen to your heart's content. We talk about this topic frequently because it's the one that basically um, Julie and I, it's practiced, we've been practicing for almost 30 years, is looking for rental properties. And uh, we do buy in many different states, and uh, we tell you where we're buying and tell you how we go about deciding where we're going to buy and all the rest of it. So anyway, past podcasts, listen to your heart's content. Next point, Julie. Yes, next point is upper-end would-be sellers decide to lease their properties instead. Already seeing it in Manhattan, L.A., markets like this. Your job, remember, in real estate is to say, yes, it's my pleasure to help you with that. I know many of you are not in love with leasing and property management and stuff like that. It doesn't matter. You're here to be of service. It's a great way to retain the relationship. The market turns around. Those are your next listings. And meanwhile, you get to make a little bit of money on the management and the leasing. So don't be surprised when you see luxury inventory turning into luxury rentals. Just be the one that says, yes, that's an interesting spoke. I'm going to learn more about that and make sure that I maintain those relationships and make some money from helping people in that end of things. So next point. At this point, when we're further down the line, you know, price reductions have been happening, appraisals are for real. Now we see 
homeowners' equity getting wiped out. Now, here's why that matters. History has shown that when people reach zero, where the house is worth what you owe, and especially when it's worth less than you owe, which you don't even need a real estate crash to create that. You just have to refinance up and then have the appraisal not work out. History has shown that these people will strategically default, living in their homes for free as long as possible. How long that is varies by state, but we have seen this before. And that's something that will be very interesting to watch to see whether that shortens the reset, as we're calling it, and what kind of effect that has. But we know not just from the last recession and housing uh, adjustment, but from previous ones that that happens. Okay. And that brings us to our next point, the return of the short sale conversation. Already seeing it in Premier Coaching, that question comes up. Here is the challenge from a coaching standpoint. We have a whole generation of you guys that didn't live through the short sale REO BPO conversation of the last go around. Some of you don't even know what a short sale is. So be wary of that. And again, you are, you know, maybe this listing appointment you go on tonight is a first-time buyer house and it's still going to have multiple offers and it's going to sell and close in the next 60 days. But maybe tomorrow's appointment is somebody that just has had whatever series of events caused them to become a potential short sale. They're a have-to-sell seller. Are you going to say, oh, I don't really know anything about short sales. I'm going to have to refer you to somebody who does. Or are you going to say, yes, it's my pleasure to help you and then ask for help and figure it out. Your job is to say, yes, it's my pleasure to help you. So don't be surprised, and it's probably not going to be every appointment you go on, but you are going to hear it more. Would you agree with that, Tim? I would. And, Julie, I actually had somebody chat me. I just uh, just I glanced away at your notes and, and read a chat. So someone asked how long we think this housing correction will last. I think we talked about that on the first podcast we did, uh, phase one, but it's easy to summarize. So the last correction crash started in 06, 07. Um, and then basically it didn't kick back into, so that was um, 06, 07 was the end of what we call phase one, the seller's market, and then we entered into phase two, and then we entered in, into phase three, and then phase four. It, it, that started, it, the recovery really didn't start, arguably, depending on what part of the country you're in, it didn't really start becoming a seller's market again until 2011. So you're looking at a cycle that can last, you know, six to seven years of this corrective market until it basically pivots back towards being in a seller's market. We think that realistically that time frame will be condensed for a whole variety of reasons, and we're going to talk about that. Um, we're giving our own we're – we're going to share with you guys our own counterpoints. It's called Why We Might Be Wrong. We're going to do that on uh, tomorrow or the next day's podcast, kind of so you guys can have a balanced approach to thinking about this. Um, but the reality of it is, is it appears to us that this correction reset is going to be uh, not, not take as long as the last one. It's not going to be as far-reaching as the last one. It's not going to be as damaging as the last one. So overall, it's not going to be as bad as the last one. Still be tons of opportunities, obviously, for agents that are smart, agents who are willing to move away from the dogma that's been the last 12 years of the seller's market and start focusing on being of service to folks and learning how to really essentially drill down and get houses sold from a seller's perspective huge amounts of opportunity for those of you who really want to become listing agents. But So it's going to go probably, we think it's going to realistically be looked upon historically that the housing correction started in probably 2017. Um, and then we're going to see that basically it's probably, in our opinions, going to last through 2020 or 21. And then we're going to start seeing a return of the seller's market. There's too many things, to, too many reasons to believe 
that uh, – and the biggest one being the millennials. There's too many reasons to, to believe that once housing price, pricing resets in your market in varying degrees, that there's too many forces that are going to want to basically pull it back up, and the biggest one just being overall buying demand. So anyway, we're going to talk about that in the next day or the following uh, – ne- tomorrow or the next day. Julie, any other tailing points you want to tack on yes, for today? Well- so we watch BPOs in all phases, and in this third phase, BPO orders really start going crazy. Now, many of you say, why not watch for ROD, I'm sorry, NODs as an indication of the direction the market is going? Well, the problem is banks are not compelled to report their NODs sometimes for months. So there's a trailing reporting, there's a lag time, because it affects the bank's ability to borrow. And intentional opaqueness is the easiest way uh, to test for industry health. So using NODs doesn't really work as well as watching your BPO orders. And we've always encouraged all of you to run a BPO cash flow spoke. We talk about that a lot in Premier Coaching. I'm not going to get into that here, but do watch BPOs. And if you're not doing them, but you know agents who are cranking out the BPOs, they'll tell you what's coming in. Is it slow or is it a gushing fire hose of orders? That is a reliable indicator and you, you can get better intel from BPOs sooner than you can by watching NODs. Uh, you also see this kind of weird socialistic attitude come out about housing. Everyone seems to be entitled to be a homeowner. Where is, we've got lots of articles that everybody's well, getting priced really, out of the a- market. Yeah, go ahead. That was a little bit of an abrupt pivot. Yeah, but that did happen last time, guys. Um, there were a lot of articles that were essentially brought Hot out button. a lot of sort of fringe, yeah, fringe attitudes about housing, how you know the government should take all the properties that uh, were in foreclosure that were Fannie or Freddie or you know whatever government you know subsidized loan program and make those some some kind of entitlement for people. There's all kinds of, and the other problem is frankly that that a housing correction. Um, it really does bring up the have and have-nots, the 1% conversation, the, you know, all those types of things, whereas reality of it is it's just a normal part of what – I, I can't say it's normal, but it's certainly been uh, become a part of our economic cycle that uh, folks seem to like to, you know, have booms and busts in, their, in the overall economy. I mean, you see it happening not just in housing, but really in anything that – so many things have become asset classes that weren't assets, really considered assets historically – I mean, cars have become – collector cars have become assets. Art's always been an asset, but now it's kind of taken on its own life, and you see just sort of weird things that are being treated as assets as people – you know, again, this is a macro point, but as people start looking to for alternative ways to build wealth other than the traditional ways. You know, if people were really confident in the stock market and really confident in, you know, security stocks and bonds and really confident in real estate, they wouldn't even be trying to create bubbles in other supposed asset classes. But – there it is. That's what we do as a human species right now. We're always rushing to whatever's next. And uh, real estate for the last 12 years has been whatever's next. And then it will be again after we're through this corrective cycle. And probably the next one's going to be, the next boom's going to just be ridiculous. But for those of you who missed out on buying opportunities during the last cycle, um, you know, you really got to get your ducks in a row now or you're going to miss out the opportunities again. There'll be some things that come up that will be like, uh, you know, you just you have to be strategic and decide what states you're going to be buying in. Again, I don't want to make this an investor uh, coaching session, but go back to um, and listen to the podcasts that we did on uh, buying out of state, and you're going to find there's areas in the country that were that are just rock solid 
um, easy to get tenants, um, just really secure financially because there's so much industry and really government that supports the local populace. Housing's not too expensive. Those types of areas still exist in the country, probably not in your backyard. So you're going to have to look outside of your backyard and do seriously consider how you're going to pay for those. Um, those markets that are great to buy in now become stellar to buy in during a reset. The markets that we're seeing the biggest shock and awe in already happening are the luxury real estate markets. The bigger the shock and awe we see in real, luxury real estate markets, just like in 07, the more you need to be fearful in your local market with normal price stuff. So if you see in your individual market, maybe you don't even pay attention to the luxury stuff, but if you see in the, your individual market that the average days in the market for a house in, you know, say, the multi-million dollar range or whatever your upper end market is, when you see those go from months to years – uh, you should be definitely thinking that that's going to trickle down to the rest of the generalized housing population. One example doesn't make a point, but if you're seeing lots of examples like that, then you need to pay attention to that. And I've been getting emails from people saying, you know, stuff in my town that was a sort of a you know third or fourth house, the 500 up or 600 up, those houses you can't give away right now. And that market just changed. I, you know, I was just thinking of an email I got this morning in the last 90 days. And so in other markets on the East Coast, the luxury might be you know a million, million and a half, two million, and you guys are seeing a huge setback there too. Um, again, out in L.A., where we have a lot of really high-end Beverly Hills-type uh, agents, they're seeing price reductions on their luxury stuff measured in the multiple, multiple millions. Those are the types of anecdotal things that you need to accept the fact are going to trickle down to your market. And I'll give you one last little drill-down point. Those of you who think you're insulated in Southern California, you're probably going to have the biggest reset of any place in the country because you had one of the biggest run-ups. I know no brokers, office managers, or gurus are sharing this information with you in Southern California um, because they're pretty much a lot of them are contacting a lot of the big ones are contacting us and asking what we should be, you know what they should be telling their agents so they don't cause fear and panic. You need to take action on educating your agents on how to basically go after listings, get price reductions, price right in the first place, deal with all the psychology of you know financial loss that a lot of these people are going to be experiencing, helping uh, helping buyers, you know all these types of things that are necessary in this type of market. But look in your MLS guys, look to see what your price reductions have been, look to see what the days in market uh, on the market are. Stuff less than a million and a half in Southern California now is starting to set. That should be a real red flag for all of you because that's been a hot price range for a long time. You're going to see that starting to trickle down to less than a million. And then you're going to see houses that were a million are all of a sudden selling for 850. 850 is now selling for like 600. How long it stays at that price point, I don't know, but that is what's going to happen in a lot of your markets. Be ready. It's coming your way. We're doing everything in our power to warn you if you want to use that word but what we're hoping to do is prepare you so that when those things happen when the market transitions you're okay with it you know what to do you, you you're not one of these agents that just thinks they can only make market money when the market's going one direction doesn't matter what direction prices go people still need to buy and sell make them make it so that they want to buy and sell through you if you guys need me for anything it's tim at tim and or julia tim and you have a fantastic day and we will talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. 
Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.